I'm uh, just excited to be able to serve you this way. Well, <clears throat> unaware that today was Baptist Men's Day uh, or and uh, Sanctity of Life Day in our denomination, I uh, uh, Lord laid something on my heart that I'm going to share. And uh, uh, but we need to remember our Baptist men. Don't forget about them. Good-looking bunch back here that was back here. And uh, but the the work uh, that uh, they do and should be doing uh, all around our world for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so remember them, support them, and tell them you love them and all those kinds of good things. And certainly remember sanctity of life. The only one that has the responsibility for life is our Lord. And he loved life so much that he gave it to us. And so we want to uh, thank him for it. So, I want to talk to you about 2018. Can I do that? Yeah? No? I can't? All right. Well, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I uh, thought about a lot about what God would have me share with you today. And, and so, uh, here we are at the beginning of another year. And when you uh, come to another year, I know that it's the 21st and you've already had your probably your New Year's sermon last week or maybe, well, the week before we, no one went to church hardly because we were snowed in. Uh, but, uh, I, I think it's important that we, uh, at this time of year to just stop for just a moment. Think about what happened last year. And look forward to what he might have in store for us in the year to come. You know, there's a lot of wonderful things happened in 2017. You know, one of the things that I like to talk about a lot that I saw in 2017 is we had within our association 24 plus more baptisms than we did the year before. Amen. That's 24 more souls. Into the kingdom. Than we had the year before. I look forward to 2018. Being 24 more. Than we had in 2017. That only comes when God's people. Are serious about making disciples. And remembering that that. Is our call. In uh, the church of the living God. But um, there are some other things that we will face. Uh, how many here know what you're going to do tomorrow? Really? Do you? Really? Well, you have a plan for tomorrow. But uh, folks, I want you to know it's all dependent on what the Lord allows us to do. You know, the older I get, and uh, the, uh, the more I realize that my time is not mine, my schedule is not mine, it's his, and, and I've stopped trying. Now, yes, I put a lot of things, I schedule a lot of things on the calendar, and uh, one of the things I've learned this year, already this year, and uh, how easily we're distracted, uh, and the snow and ice distracted us all, did it not? It changed our schedules. It messed mine up royally. And then we had water pipes break at the building, and that messed things up royally. 
And for the next few months, we're going to be messed up in our building. Uh, I've had to reschedule several different things. And I'm all discombobulated a little bit. But you know what? God knew all that was going to take place. And I, I just need to stop. Take a deep breath. And trust him. Because he's got it, got it all under control. So I thought about that a lot. And I thought about what I would share with you. And, and uh, I, I thought about Joshua. I love Joshua. If you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Joshua is one of my favorite guys in all the Bible. Uh, his book is one of my favorite books in all the Bible. And uh, he describes, he's one of those kind of guys I love. I mean, he's a, he's a no-nonsense, let's go, let's get it done kind of guys. He's one of these kind of guys that uh, uh, was a Moses, protege of Moses. And, and uh, you all know the story of Joshua. I'm not going to have time this morning to regale all of what he did and accomplished for God. But Joshua was a man, a serious man, a man of God, a man who trusted God no matter what. He was one of two, the two, one of two out of twelve that, if you remember, were sent into the promised land to check it out and uh, figure out, you know, so they could see what's there, what they were facing. And twelve came back, ten said, oh no, we can't go into promised land. There's some big folks over there, big, scary people. Joshua and Caleb come back and said, hey, let's go. Because we're the people of God. And God will fight our battles for us. And of course, they weaseled out and they didn't go. And of course, you know the story. They paid for that for a while. Well, we get to the beginning. Joshua is broken up into three categories. Chapters 1 through 12 deal with the occupation of, of the promised land. Chapters 13 to 22 talk about the division of uh, the tribes, the promised land, where all the tribes get. And then the last two chapters deals with his farewell speech and the renewal of the covenant that God made with his people, with Abraham. And, and he, he does that. And so... Uh, I, I, you know, as, as, as much as I would love to spend time with you this morning in Joshua chapter one, I heard a great sermon on Joshua chapter one yesterday at the Bible conference at Potocasey. Uh, and I'd love to re-preach that sermon, but I'm not going to do that this morning. Uh, but an awesome kind of service, uh, sermon and, 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 uh, uh, an illustration, what we have in God, in Joshua is an illustration of God's people when they win, 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 they listen to, abide in, obey the word of God, everything he promised is possible. He delivered every time the people of Israel listened and followed without question God's commands. But the moment they got distracted or the moment they tried to do God's business their way, they got in trouble. And there, there was examples of that even in the book of Joshua. And so 
Joshua now has, the, 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 the land has been occupied. There are still some, some peoples that they were going to have to drive out, uh, still remaining. However, for the most part, the, the, the promised land had been occupied by the nation of Israel. Okay? And so, here we have, uh, at, in chapter 23, we have, uh, Joshua's final farewell speech. Now you might think, well, why in the world is he talking about a farewell speech when we're at the beginning of the year and he's already said, hey, we're going to look at the new year, how, how we, the challenges we might have. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because, uh, it, it's in this speech and in the covenant renewal that you and I can take some principles that will help us face what 2018 holds for us. And so that's what I want you to see. And so uh, if you'll just follow along with me, I've got to do a little background for you so that I can get to the verse that I want to read. But let me read that verse first. Let have prayer with you, and then we'll hit that real quickly. Chapter 24, verse 14. Therefore, I love that word, fear the Lord and worship him. Insincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods of your fathers, your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates rivers and in Egypt and worship the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Father. Oh, Father. Speak to us today. Remind us of who you are, we are, and help us to remember whose we are. Oh God, speak to us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Wow. All right. So he says, worship the Lord. That's the command, I believe. Not, not a suggestion, but a demand or command. But in chapter 23, Joshua was at the end of his life. And he gathers the, the leaders of Israel together and, and, and the nation of Israel together. And he begins to uh, remind them of some things that I think are important. He says in verse 1, he says, I, uh, a long time after the Lord had given Israel rest. I love that. He gave them rest. You remember they, they, when they occupied, uh, the promised land in chapter 1 and 2 and that, in that, uh, episode just across from Jericho, they went, uh, at the edge of the Jordan River. They went across the Jordan River at flood stage on dry ground. Okay, uh, some amazing things right off the bat. Okay, and everything that God had promised them he would do, he did one after the other. And when they prayed and they trusted the Lord, he accomplished for them everything that he promised. And so now they're at a point here in chapter 23 where they can rest a little bit. I mean, anybody ever been tired before? If you go to my house about 9 o'clock every night and you see me at, at, that when I'm there at 9 o'clock, I'm sitting in my recliner and what am I doing, Greta? 
I'm like this. I am tired just about every evening. We all get tired and nothing is sweeter when I'm tired to sit in my recliner, lean it all the way back, put my hands right here and I'm gone. Nothing sweeter than that except maybe when I go lay down in my bed and I'm gone. I, I, I have rest. Well, Joshua is telling the nation of Israel that has been moving out and occupying the land, the land that they didn't work for, that he gave to them. And they're settling in all the areas. And finally they can stop for a moment, take a deep breath, and they can rest. And Joshua says, Oh, God has given Israel rest. From all the enemies around them. And Joshua was old and advanced in age. And then he summoned everyone. And, and th- then he says in verse 3, And you have seen yourselves, for yourselves, everything the Lord your God did to all the, these nations on your account. Because it was the Lord your God who was fighting for you. Don't you love that verse? He says, you can have rest from all your enemies because your God and my God has fought for you. He's given you everything he's promised. Listen, folks, for us today, the application for you and I today is that if you are a child of God, he loves you. He's got all that you need. He'll fight your battles for you. He'll do what you cannot do. He'll do what he's promised for you. He'll provide all of your needs he'll make 2018 the most amazing year of your life if you'll trust in him that's what he'll do and he'll give you rest from the struggles we had in 2017 in 2018 if that's one of the biggest articles in all the bible if if we'll trust and abide and surrender and sacrifice ourselves to him. Oh, watch out. 2018 might be the greatest year you ever spent in your life as a child of God. And he says in verse 3, Joshua is reminding the nation of Israel what God did for them. And then he begins to recount all of the history, if you will. Verse 6, he says, be very strong and continue obeying all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you do not turn from the right or the left so that you do not associate with these nations remaining among you. So what he's saying there, listen, as long as you hang in there, as long as you trust in the word, this word, the, the, if you obey the word and so that you don't get to the right or left, how many times do we get to the right or left? That's called distractions. And, and I, 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 as you all know, I've been around church all my life. And every time I've seen a struggle in a church, generally speaking, the struggle is over something that's so far to the left or to the right that has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ, has nothing to do with the commands of God. We get mad because it's too hot in here. 
We get mad because I don't like the color of the carpet. We get mad because the, uh, the preacher preaches too long. We get mad for all kinds of silly reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with what he's commanded us to do. And Joshua was reminding them, listen, be strong and courageous in the culture that doesn't like you, doesn't want you there. Be strong and courageous and watch out and see what I will do for you. And he says, Remember to remain in my word so that you don't get distracted to the left or to the right. And we we do it all the time. We know better and we still do it. Why? Because we're not remaining in the word. We're not doing what he's commanded us to do. And so... He goes on and he gives them some warnings and, and uh, he talks about, and I don't have time to go through all of chapter 23, and he comes down to the last part of 23. And he says, if you break the covenant of the Lord, verse 16, your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow and worship to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly disappear from this good land he has given you. Whew. Folks, the warning here is no less powerful than it was then to them. If we, the church of the living God, and by the way, we have the Jesus, the Messiah has already come. We have him. He's here. Okay? So we have some advantages over the nation of Israel in some ways because he walks with us just like he walked with them. But they don't have to depend, we don't have to depend on prophets to tell them what God says because we have a direct link in the Holy Spirit when we invited him into our hearts and lives. Oh my goodness, hallelujah, amen. Isn't that great? This is yes, no. Oh my goodness. We have direct access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have direct access to the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Oh my goodness, we must take care to take care of that. And to listen to that and to follow that. And if we want to experience what he has, but if we don't, make no mistake about it, we'll pay the price of our distractions and pay the price for our sins. But hallelujah, praise the Lord. He still loves us anyway. There is forgiveness. There is repentance. And listen, once he has you, as the Bible says, in the palm of his hands, there's not a thing in the world that can rip you out of that. Aren't you glad about that? If you ever want to say amen in church or hallelujah, that's a good place to do it. Oh, my goodness. Once I'm his, enemy can't have me anymore. Now, he can mess with me. He can make life difficult, but ultimately... I have victory over the enemy because of Jesus Christ. And so he gets into chapter 24, and now he gathers them at Shechem, a place of worship where they came to worship God. And it's at this place that they're going to renew the the, uh, covenant that God made with Abraham. And so here Joshua, in his life, about 110 years old, and he's at the end of his life, and in chapter 24, he began again recount all that God had done, everything that he'd done. And so uh, he, he, how he, 
in verse 13, he says, I gave you, I, that being God, I gave you a land you did not labor for and cities you did not build. Though you live in them, you are eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. So he recounted all that he did. He reminded them of where they are and the blessings that they're receiving because they followed God. They didn't have to build all the buildings. They didn't have to do anything. It was there, ready for them. And he says there in verse 13, then he goes in verse 14, Therefore, he has said everything he's all said here in chapters 23 and 24. He says, Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. So, our worship, out of our worship comes everything else we do as a church of the living God. I think Joshua understood that. He understood that worship was critical for the lifeblood of any church. Worship is critical. And by the way, worship is not relegated to 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Worship is a daily pursuit by the people of God every day. How do you worship on Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday? How do you do that? I can tell you how I do it. I do it in our in my little office in the house. I turn the lights on. It's dark. Got a cup of coffee. I sit it there. I get on my knees. I begin to pray. I begin to worship. I've had some most powerful worship times in my bathrobe. On my knees in the office, sitting in our living room, watching the sun come up with my wife and, and, and begin to pray. And the Lord, listen, I don't need to stand here, although I'm commanded to be here. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Hebrews 10, 25 says we're not to forsake the assembling of the saints, what you're doing here. But I'm telling you, worship is a daily pursuit. And Joshua says, listen, people of Israel, if you don't continue to worship me like in in sincerity and truth, fear the Lord. If you don't continue to do that, you're going to get distracted is what he's saying here. And so my service to him is based on my worship of him. How, how good, how the quality of what I do for the Lord is very much linked to my worship of Him on a regular basis. And I can tell, and you can tell, when your worship is frailing a, 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 around and you're not doing it, that something's missing. And He says there, fear the Lord. So, three things real quickly. I, I'm going to rush right on through these. Three things I I need you to see there. He says, first of all, it's a command that we're to worship, fear the Lord, and to worship Him. Okay? Secondly, he he tells us how we're to do that. We're, We're to worship Him in how? In sincerity and truth. I mean, in other words, mean it when you worship. Don't try to fool me, because you can. But you can't fool him. Listen, God, rather you be uneducated or uh, uh, ignorant of what you, all the things that the Bible tells us, but be sincere of heart. And he can take that heart and that person and do some amazing things with them. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. I've seen some of the most educated people, theologically educated people, tell me, Because I'm certainly not one of those, but I've had them tell me, listen, what's education is good. You must get all you can. 
But it does not take the place of my personal time of worship. It's in that worship that I find God speaking to me more. Listen, worship is so important. And because of that, I can serve. And so I'm to fear the Lord. I'm to worship Him. And I'm to do so in sincerity and truth. And then when I do, it will manifest itself in some action. I love this. Uh, the action speaks louder than words, as you know. You, you won't know. You've heard that old saying, you don't know how someone cares until you see how much they care. You, you won't know how, some, how much someone loves the Lord until you see how much they love the Lord in their service. By the way, in their service, whether anyone's looking or not, And one of the things that preachers have to watch out for is because we're always in front of people. We're always sharing the gospel and we're doing our best to serve as God has called us to serve. And, you know, uh, the the temptation sometimes is when we're we're done and we're sitting at, you know, at the at the back door shaking people's hands and people come by and say, preacher, that was the greatest thing I ever heard in my life. And if you hear enough of that, you go, yeah, you better believe it is. Oh, my goodness. A preacher who goes there is a preacher who's in trouble. Any good I do or you do is not because of me or you. It's because of him in us. And we got to be careful there. We really have to be careful there. And so it's his will that we do. And he says, listen, don't worship the the gods of your fathers there before the, the Euphrates, on the other side of the Euphrates River. In other words, the gods that are not the God he's talking about. Be careful because they were in amongst a nations that had all kinds of foreign gods. There was polytheism going on there. I mean, there was a, they had a God for this and a God for that, and they had to be really careful. And, and, and even in the history of the nation of Israel, they still mess that up too sometimes every now and then. And so do we. We allow other kinds of gods to rule our day. We, we, we have the God of tradition, the God of religion, the God of money, the God of people, the God of self, the God of everything. Just fill in the blank. And he said, listen, that's not the God you worship. You worship me, the true and only one God. Now, as I said, I've been around church all my life. I think I can talk about church. I think I'm qualified. I really do. And one of the gods that that I see is tearing the church up in a lot of ways is the God of religious tradition. There's nothing wrong with tradition. And there's nothing wrong with religion. As long as it's subject to the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard, well, preacher, we've never done it that way before. Oh, you won't see the hair in the back of my neck stand up. You won't see me uh, open his word and challenge him. Uh, Jesus was told we've never done it that way before. I guarantee you somewhere along the line. Because Jesus did everything different. He threw everything upside down. Just check with the Pharisees. He just messed their deal up. Listen. I like change, but I don't think we ought to do change just for change's sake. I want to be 
totally, completely in the will of my God, even if it looks strange to everybody around me. I don't really care. Uh, Even if I don't understand it, I want to be in his will. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? You know what he prayed? You you know the story. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying to his Father in heaven. Now, Jesus didn't do one thing, say one thing, that the Father didn't direct him to do. He was standing in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing what he's about to face, and he said, Lord, could you take this away? I bet you would have done the same thing. You'd have been on your, oh, please, Lord. I don't want to be nailed to a tree. But Jesus said, not my will, Lord, but your will be done in my life. And I believe Joshua is saying that here. So we're to worship him or serve. And we're to do so in sincerity and truth. And as a result of it, it will manifest itself in all kinds of service for him. So what would motivate me to do this? And I've been waiting this whole sermon to get right here. It's about to get good. It, at least in my view, anyway. You may wonder, when he, will he shut up? Here is the motivation of why I should worship the Lord in sincerity and truth in 2018. Why I should trust him wholly and completely. Number one, because I've been delivered. Whoo! I've been delivered from a devil's hell. I've been delivered from eternity in hell. Listen, you remember, if you go back to verse 5 of chapter 24, he says this. He says, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I defeated Egypt. You remember the children of Israel captured in Egypt. They were there for over 400 years, and finally they cried out, and God heard their cry. And and, then Moses, you know, there's a whole other story there with Moses, but finally he sent Moses and Aaron back uh, to convince Pharaoh to let his people go. You remember all that? This is yes. You got it? Okay, all right, you remember that. Well, he says here in verse 5, Joshua says, I sent Moses and Aaron and I defeated Egypt by what I did within and afterwards I brought you out. He delivered them from captivity out of Egypt. You remember that story? You remember the the plagues? You remember that? One of the plagues was the death angel. You know what he said? You remember that story? He said, listen, if uh, God said to the nation of Israel, if you'll take the blood of an unblemished lamb. Whoo! The unblemished lamb, and you put the blood over the door, the lintels of your homes, or the doorposts of your homes. When the death angel comes, he'll pass over your home. That's how the, that's why the Jews have their festival called the Passover. It's because of that event in their history. And so whenever the death angel came, they took the blood of an, of a unblemished lamb, and God delivered them. Let's fast forward. When you and I accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, he delivered us because of the blood. It's all about the blood, folks. If you go to 1 Peter, I might start preaching right now. Verse 14 of chapter 1 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But in verse 15, but as the one who calls you is holy. I love this. You are also to be holy in your conduct. And then drop down to verse 18. 
He says, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but you were, and and I'm going to stick in the word bought, paid for, he says in verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. I was, the reason I serve him and worship him and the reason 2018 I think is going to be great is because I am determined today to surrender everything I have. I'm determined to give him praise because I've been delivered and nothing, by nothing that I ever did, but all, but by all he did when he gave his blood on the cross of Calvary. Not only have we been delivered, but we've been separated from verse 7 says in chapter 24, your fathers cried out to the Lord. So he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea over them, engulfing them. Your own own eyes saw what I did in Egypt. After that, you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Listen, uh, he he is, what he said there is I separated us. Listen, oh, this is so good. It's got a great parallel here. They came to the Red Sea. How are they going to get a red sea? Because the Egyptians were coming for them. And, and, God, and they cried out to the Lord. God opened up the Red Sea. Uh, uh, nearly two million people went across. And, and uh, they got on the other side. And here the Egyptians coming there. Just on horseback, uh, horses and chariots coming after them. Uh, this deal about darkness. Darkness in the Bible refers to death oftentimes. When, when he said he put darkness between them and the Egyptians. When it goes completely dark, black, and you can't see anything, what do you do? You stop, right? All of a sudden you walk along, all of a sudden you can't see a thing. What do I do? Bible says that God put that kind of darkness between the eyes of the Egyptians and the nation of Israel. They couldn't see. They stopped. And when they stopped, what did he do? Red Sea came down on top of them. And the only way to be delivered from that darkness is the blood of an unblemished lamb. The only way that the, the only thing that can bridge someone without Jesus who lives in darkness to someone who does know Jesus and lives in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord Jesus himself. He's the only one that can bridge that gap. If you're here today and you're living in darkness, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are separated from eternal joy and eternal happiness in heaven. And the only thing that can change that is a relationship with Jesus. Uh, I, I'm going to worship him because of the victory that is mine. Oh, I love this. In verse 8, he says, After I brought you out of the land of the Amorites who live beyond you, the Jordan, uh, they fought against you, but I handed them over to you. You possessed their land, and I annihilated them before you. Listen, in Christ, in God, we have ultimately victory over our enemies. Well, you say, well, my my enemies are getting the best of me right now. Listen, ultimately, the child of God, you may get beat up a little bit here in this world. You may even lose this physical life. But I'm telling you, for as Paul said, for me to live is is Christ and for me to die is gain. So they ultimately, they don't have any control over you. If you know Christ, you have the victory. First John says that we're 
We're overcomers, if you will. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And that's why I'm going to serve Him in 2018. That's why I'm going to worship Him with sincerity and truth. That's the motivation. There's a fourth one real quickly, and that is protection. I love this next section in verse 9. Balak, some, and we're almost done, so hang in there. I'm getting there, okay? Hang in there. Verse 9, he says, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, set out to fight against Israel. He sent for Balaam, a, a, a Satan worshiper, and he says, son of Beor, to curse you. But, there's one of those, those glory bups, uh, or, or God butts in the Bibles, or, or, or glory, whatever you want to call it. It's when God intervenes, and he says, but, this is God speaking, I would not listen to Balaam instead. He repeatedly blessed you, and I rescued you from them. From him, I mean. And so what he did, what the enemy designed for our downfall, he used to bless. That's what he does nowadays if we'll trust in him. Whatever the enemy designs for my downfall, when they think they've got the best of me, I can just look them right straight in the eye and say, it's not up to you. It's up to him. So I'm going to keep on. And then one, he says, in I love what Psalm 121 says. And we're, we're, on, we're almost done. He is our protector. He says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord, verse 7 of Psalm 121, the Lord will protect you from all harm. You will, uh, he will protect your life. The Lord will protect you're coming and you're going both now and I love that last word forever how long is forever forever there is no end he's our protector that is why I am motivated then there's one last thing I'm going to serve him in 2018 I'm going to worship him in 2018 and I am motivated to do so because I am his possession I am his possession. In verse 13 again, he says, listen, I gave you a land that you did not labor for and cities you did not build. Though you live in them, you are eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. I am his possession. Why do you think Joshua had to remind them of that? (laughs) Because people sometimes say, look what I did. I did that. No, you didn't. God did that in you. I love what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. He says, says, for you, listen, for you are saved by grace through faith in this uh, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. You know, if we got to heaven by our works, you know what people would do in, when up in heaven? they said, well, look what I did. I got a bigger house than you did. You know, 
I, I, I'm more important to Jesus than here because I did more stuff than you did. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm so glad it doesn't depend on my works. It depends on the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of Christ, and my faith in that. And listen, it, even if I get saved on my deathbed, I got all the glory just like the saints of God do. I heard a testimony yesterday about a deathbed salvation. Just powerful testimony where a son... One of our pastors got to lead his father to Christ on his deathbed. That man, his father, is in glory waiting for his son. I am his. Listen, we can't get heaven on our own. We get it because of his grace extended to us just because he loves us. So what does all that mean? I bet you're wondering that. What does all this mean? Well, in verse 15, Joshua tells us, and this is my challenge to you today. He says, but if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. You remember, he said earlier, if you choose to worship other gods, he's going to be angry at you. And annihilate you and run you out from this land that he promised. That's what he said. God said that. But he says in verse 15, choose for yourself today, which will you worship? The gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? He says, but as for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. So you decide today. Fathers, men, mothers, wives, parents, grandparents, our children and our culture and our society are screaming out, begging for something of meaning. And if you know Christ, you got it. Infect them with it. Lead your families to the altar. Bring your children and bring your family to church. Bring them to the altar and pray. Bring them to Bible study. Teach them what the Word says. Lead them. Don't let the culture tell you how to raise your children or your grandchildren. They don't have a clue. The Word has a clue. That's part of the reason we have the problems we have in our culture today is because parents have stopped raising their kids as God would have them raise them. And that's the fall of the church. Church needs to remind them of that. So, so he says, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. My question to you today, which God do you worship? And do you serve? Do you serve the God of the universe? Or the gods of our culture? And if you're serving the gods of your culture, I'll tell you to stop it right now. You're here today and you want to get back on track. You want to recommit your heart and life to him if you do know him. If you want to find him for the very first time, in just a moment we'll have an invitation song. I'm going to let you do that. Respond to the Lord. But I have chosen in the Stockman house, we're going to serve the Lord. My boys know it. My daughter-in-law know it. My grandchildren know it. And anybody who walks in my house knows it. What about you? Would you stand with me and bow your heads? Every head bowed, every eye closed. The moment we're going to